thanks everyone. I'm all better now. No more storing up the anger till I explode. If any of you does something I don't like, you are gonna hear about it. Yes, that's very healthy, Ned. And if you really take me off, I'm gonna run you down with my car. Ned, you so crazy. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review Hurricane Nettie. I am Dando. I am Mitch, and hopefully I am not echoing quite so much this week. Well, why did you decide to record from the toilet again last week without consulting me first? Uh, it's a motherfucker to edit when you do that, man. <laughs> One word answer, Dando. Enchiladas. <laughs> are you an enchiladas man? Like, do you like eating enchiladas? Uh, I enjoy all of the Mexican delights. Uh, See, I don't. I don't like spicy you know. food. I'm, I'm weak. I wanted to try to rattle off um, Mexican actors and actresses then as part of a, a joke, and all I could think of, I was going to say Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek. I was like, nope. <laughs> that was as far as, um, Michael Pena? No, no not what even him. D- Danny Trejo, is that Machete? Danny Trejo, is that his name? Uh, is Danny Trejo Mexican? He might be. He plays Mexicans and everything, doesn't he? He certainly plays Mexicans, yes. That'll do. And, what about Jack, and the Jack Black? I was thinking, the re- <laughs> Jack Black. The reason I was thinking... Antonio was because of uh, Desperado. That was the yep. only reason that that came into my head. What nationality is Puss in Boots? Uh, is he Latin? I feel like yes. Puss in Boots is Latino. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you're right. Uh, sorry, so how's your... that's not, sorry, not Latin. Latino is what I meant. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's <laughs> I knew what you odd. meant. But <laughs> yeah. That's why I was like, uh, yeah, I will go with it. Uh, how's your week been anyway? Uh, yeah, it's been good. It doesn't feel like that long since we were recorded. Um, we're recording earlier in the week than we normally do. So yeah. um, it's been full on. I, I had one uh, an insanely busy weekend. I did uh, three different photo shoots for different reasons uh, behind the camera, not in front of the camera. But it's meant that I've had no time to rest since we last spoke. Yeah. Well, I've had, obviously had Nicola's birthday. and had our birthday party on the weekend. You saw your Mighty Hawks fail, unfortunately. I was barracking for them, but they couldn't get over the line, unfortunately. Yeah, well, look, it was to be expected. They were they were underdogs going into both of the finals games, I felt. So uh, frustrating that they didn't quite finish as well as you would have liked, or certainly as well as I would have liked in front of goal. They, they had their chances to be in the game. But, you know, um, it is what it is at this time of year. You, it, it's funny how, how, get, how you get so caught up in, oh, my God, we didn't win a final, when realistically there are 17 teams every year that at some point are going to come to that stage where you go, oh, yep, well, that's the end of our season and we're not the Premiers. And eight, eight of them suffered like that two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So I got to see, you know, a couple finals and some of our younger kids got to get involved in it, which is good. And then Aaron Rodgers just pulled out some absolutely amazing uh, freak stuff in the NFL. So I was able to d- distract myself pretty quickly. <laughs> now, you said we were recording earlier in the week. Why are we doing that? Uh, because you just dropped on me that you're heading out of the country. Uh, I didn't just drop it on you. Know, you. It, was, it was last week. You told me last week you leave on Thursday. Yeah, but I told you that's over I, a week's notice. <laughs> I presume that international flights get booked, you know, several months in advance. <laughs> well, uh, 
I actually thought we were leaving Friday, but that doesn't that doesn't change things. But <laughs> I'm so Nicola books the holidays. I just go where she tells me. Yeah. Okay. So she's your personal assistant, basically. Yeah. More so than much. a wife. Yeah. <laughs> I um. I was, the reason I bring bring it up is because we're going to Hawaii and it's Hurricane Nettie, and it sounds like there's just nonstop hurricanes at that place in the world at the moment. So I'm a little bit scared. Uh, I don't know about nonstop, but there's certainly one big one. There's lots um, of them. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it seems like every time I hear about Hawaii on the news in the last two to three months, it's because there's some sort of windstorm or a hurricane or something happening there, happening there. Yeah. Did you hear Donald Trump talk about the latest hurricane? And this isn't to get political or anything, but this just made me laugh about how with Donald Trump, everything is the best, obviously. At one point, I heard him say, this hurricane that's coming in, it's, um, it's, it's real big. It's going to be big. You know, maybe the biggest they've ever seen. It was like, even your fucking natural disasters, you need to promote as being the biggest and the best. I did see a video last night. It's an old video from 2016 where he refers to 9-11 as 7-11. Have you seen that? <laughs> no, that can't yeah. be real. Yes, at a rally. It's video footage of him at a rally and he's referring to 9-11, how bad or how much of a travesty it was and how a tragedy, I should say, and how it was just devastating for all the people involved. And he refers to it as 7-11. Oh, God. YouTube it. It's hilarious. At the, at, once we finish recording. Let's not get into Trump too much. <laughs> just, is there just an awkward groan throughout the audience? No, because it's at one of his Maybe. rallies. So everyone just sort of... I think you can hear some people sort of... they You can hear that they've, not, they've heard it and they're just sort of laughing mm. to themselves and just going with it kind of thing. But yeah, half of the people in the background aren't even paying attention. It's just a, you know one of the tr- typical Trump rallies from when he was going to be president. But anyway. Yeah, okay. Anyway, Hurricane Nettie. Didn't really like this episode. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't Did as good you? as I remembered it. I just, oh. uh, the, well, uh, from that response, I can tell that you did like it. Uh, not that I, not that I didn't, not that I hated it. I just remembered it being better. That's all. I, don't, I just, I seem to have fond memories of this, and I finished watching this, and it left me with too many. Yeah, but what about that? And yeah, but what about that? Moments where I was just like, eh, it kind of ruins the episode for me. But I'll get into that. Well, you tell me why you liked it. I really like the twist on what you like everything in this episode is set up to have a wholesome resolution and it never gets it that's what i really like like it's the most wholesome guy in the town who gets put through the absolute ringer and then when the family come sorry not the family but when springfield come together for it's a wonderful lifestyle wholesome everyone pulled together for you that gets taken away from you and then even the psychiatrist that you think is going to be there to save the day his whole thing comes down to spanking for eight straight months. Like, when they get Homer in, and the uh, now that's psychiatry. Like, every moment that is set up to go one way just keeps pulling the rug out from under you to be, you know, the, the exact opposite of every cliche that you've ever seen in this sort of man loses the plot and then gets better storyline. It just sort of, I don't know, for me, it just felt like that humour didn't fit where the episode was going. Because like that scene where he's in the church, incredibly heartfelt. It's one of the more intense scenes emotionally that I've seen in The Simpsons in recent times doing these reviews, where he's praying to God and he's just sort of almost giving up on his faith. And then you got the stuff like at the end, like the, the spanking and like you just said, the homer and all that. It just felt, I don't, it just didn't blend well from one to the other for me. It just felt a bit clunky. It just, I know they're going for character development because we're at the point now where they're kind of running out of ideas to just have solely on the Simpsons family. So they're going to sub-characters and trying to give them some depth. The only problem this this ends up being almost like a principal and the pauper situation where the... So, so all this time you think Flanders is nice when really he's just, what, an incredibly repressed, 
angry man, but he just bottles it up inside. And he actually, he genuinely hates Homer, but just can't tell him. But then in the next episode, he goes back to being normal Flanders again. I think that's a bit of a stretch. Personally, I don't think that there's any, there's nothing at all to say that this is, like Principal and the Pauper, Principal and the Pauper was a complete rewrite of the backstory of Principal Skinner. This to me just feels more like a layer. We already know that Ned is this really uh, reserved, uptight, very, very polite, overly polite, overly nice person. This just shows why. Like I don't think that that changes what he is. It just shows you that uh, that yeah. Like, and I think if anything, that's almost a joking comment on the human condition that no one would be that nice unless they were slightly insane and repressed. Well, that's what I was going to say. So he. Is he actually an overly nice person or does he just pretend to be overly nice? Well, it's it's not as simple as pretending. We've raved about Flanders in previous reviews about how he's just such a genuinely nice person. Well, he's not. No, I, I don't think you can be that cut and dry about it. If you pretend long enough to be nice and empathetic, eventually that is going to be your natural response. It's more of a coached niceness and a trained niceness but that's not to say that it's a fake niceness it's just that there's this anger that gets that's bubbling away underneath and i think that again can be true for anyone if you don't have a release if you don't have some way to occasionally blow off some steam then when it does finally happen you're going to absolutely explode yeah, i i hear i can i completely understand where you're coming from but the thing is what i'm trying to say is it ends with flanders specifically stating if you do something i don't like you're going to hear about it but he never does that. He goes back to being normal Flanders again. People continuously take advantage of him and take the piss out of him in episodes from here onwards and he's just behaving the exact same way. We get an extra layer of Flanders in this episode that's never mentioned again. Yeah, that's so what bothered maybe, me. Maybe he bought a punching bag and it's just, uh, you know, it's in the den. But he's, <laughs> I don't know. It just, it, to, to me, the ending just felt a little bit just, what, so he admits that he hates, or he realizes that he hates his parents and he's cured. All done. It's end of the episode. It just seemed, I don't know, the ending just wasn't enough for me. It was building up to something. And like you said, I know it pulls the rug out from underneath you, but it had to give you more than what it, ge- it gave me. That, that's just my opinion. That's how I felt anyway. I thought, eh, that was weak. Yeah, okay. Well, we, we'll have to agree to disagree. Otherwise, we won't record any more of the episode. We'll just be talking about <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear what the listeners think of that, though. Not, not who's right and who's wrong out of us, but like, how do you see this episode? Do you, were you bothered by the way? And let us know either in the comments of this podcast or mailbag or forefinger discount. I want to hear from you listeners and new patrons as well in the Facebook group. Let us know. What was your favourite moment from the episode anyway, Mitch? Uh, my f- Honestly, uh, I think it's just because of the timing of it is the during the spanking when he just knocks the ball back out the window and <laughs> Ned <laughs> opening his present is the other thing that I really <laughs> enjoyed. Just a little differences in the setting to show you what season it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very cool. In general, I thought there was some fantastic animation throughout the episode. Like when the hurricane was first coming in as well, um, the sort of really dark, ominous skies that you haven't seen in Springfield before, uh, the shot of the Flanders house when it's been reduced to rubble as it just pans out and shows you that of all of Springfield, seem- or seemingly he's the only one that's been destroyed. Uh, and also, the, you mentioned the scene in the church. There's a really nice shot, sort of as if it's been shot from the rafters, uh, looking down on Ned. One of my favourite little bits of detail that I love, it's when he, just before he snaps, his left eye twitches, right? But when they talk about how he goes through the spanking and the, the Dr. Foster says to him, how do you feel, Ned? 
he pauses, his left eye twitches, and then he snaps mm. into being good. So when he was ranting, it was kind of like the little left eye twitch was his way of snapping from good to bad. I've never noticed that before. Did you, did you notice that? Uh, no. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, as much as you've pointed that out, and yes, instantly, I'm like, oh yeah, you're right, that did happen. But no, I, I didn't actually, I, I don't think I'd ever really paid enough attention to that, and I was probably writing some notes at the time that it happened when I was watching it this week. But maybe it wasn't what they were going for, but that's just how I saw it. When he becomes good, he's like left eye twitches, and when he goes bad again, he's left eye twitched. I just thought it was cool. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I think that'd be deliberate. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't. Yeah. Well, my favourite moment, it was two. I loved the hurricane chow, just making fun of hurricane hysteria, <laughs> mm-hmm. and how they take advantage of the people. And yep. I loved the Rubik's Cube scene. <laughs> Turn it top-wise. 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 <laughs> Uh, have you ever had one of those moments where you're, you're trying to solve something and you just got too much input from too many people? All different? Uh, yeah, I did an escape room with five or six people once Whoa, and ultimately I had to I had to just silence four of them. I was like, look, I'll... <laughs> I was, and the only reason that the other one was allowed to talk was because I occasionally needed someone to help communicate to the rest of the group what needed to happen. <laughs> so how did you tell them to be quiet? How, first of all, who put you in charge? You? Me. <laughs> I, I think it was words to the effect of, for fuck's sake, I'll get us out of here. Shut up. <laughs> and did you succeed? Yeah. Yeah, I got us out. It was a, a work thing. I, we beat the other team. All, um, I don't want to say it was all off me, but I mean, it was 98% my work. We've only failed an escape room. It's sort of one of our things when we go on holiday, we, we try and find a local escape room. Um, yeah. We've only failed it once. We're with some friends doing it up in um over in Perth. I'm telling you, have you ever failed one? You feel so bad. Like if I'm if I'm uh, planning only, an escape I've room, I'm going to plan. Okay, okay. Well, if, I, if I'm planning an escape room, I want to plan it so that it's difficult, but I want to make sure that everyone can at least get out, because no one likes to leave those things feeling like they're a failure. <laughs> I I'm disappointed that I have uh, that when I walked into the escape room, I didn't hear. Do you want to play a game? I wonder if they're allowed to do that. <laughs> Well, how would anyone know? Or if yeah, they did it as yeah. a sound alike, do it as an impression, that'd be fine. We, we, should, we should create a Simpsons-themed, without actually using the word Simpsons, but make it known that it's obviously a Simpsons-themed escape room. A Flipsons escape room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you reckon, how could you do that? Like, What would the escape room be? Would you be in the power plant and it's going to melt down or something, do you think? That'd be a pretty cool premise. Maybe you could be in the... Uh, the fridge that Homer get like the meat locker from the shinning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that could be like one of the mini rooms because a good escape room, you get out of one room and you're in another room and then you've got to get out of that room. I agree. I hate it when you go to an escape room and it's just one room solving different puzzles. Mm. And I don't know, I, I like the the thrill of having to sort of get through a maze as opposed to just the one room. I yeah, know it's called I'm... an escape room, but I like it to be like a maze. <laughs> I love a hidden door as well. Yes. Although... One of the escape rooms that I did, I do remember that like all of the puzzles led to this hidden door, which I think was just in a cupboard or something like that. Um, but none of the puzzles actually meant the door could be opened. It was just that that was how you found the hidden door by solving all of the puzzles. So had it just been a case of like walk in and check every wall and every component, you could have just bypassed about 15 of the puzzles and walked straight through into the final room in about three minutes time. Do, do you think that's a good idea though? Because for me, I want my money's worth. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, definitely. I, I would have felt like I'd, I'd shortchanged myself and cheated the system if that had happened that way. But it was just a thing of looking back and went, 
hang on a second. It yeah. was like when <laughs> it was like an Assassin's Creed game where you're like, what? Why am I doing these side quests? Oh, it's because you've got five hours of story, but you want the game to last for sixty. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Speaking of the new Spider-Man game, I saw that you've been playing it. What do you think? Oh, it's amazing. It's really, really fun. Yeah, the guys at work are raving about. It. They reckon it's really cool how you can travel from building to building and shit. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it, it's a really good recreation of New York, which I love. Like having once you've visited New York once, and I feel like if you live there, it would only. Actually, I'm not sure if if you live there, it might not be quite the same because you'd be so used to it. But like, it's just a cool way to remember f- traveling around various parts when it's done as a as a fairly faithful recreation. I don't remember Stark Tower being there when we were uh, on, on holiday. That must have been a new addition. But it's it's really really fun to f- to stumble across like a park. It, it might just be Bryant Park, for example, and you're running around and like, oh my god, yeah, that's right, I've been there, and that's got a really nice public toilet. Wait, so <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Wait, so it actually recreates New York? Yeah, very, very faithfully. It's not a full on one to one replica, but it's a really close, scaled down version of it. So you can run through Central Park and everything? or Yeah, you can run through Central Park. The Freedom Tower is there, Empire State Building, obviously, uh, Rockefeller, uh, like Rockefeller. So a good, Plaza a good portion of it. Yeah, yeah, like all of the big landmarks. One of the main th- um, side quests in Spider-Man is to actually take photographs of all of the major New York landmarks. So you can pretty much just relive your your holiday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. That's really cool. I wonder if they got the um, they had the, there was this really really uh sleazy like uh supermarket, and it was the only place where we could buy fresh chicken from. We wanted to cook risotto. That was the one thing I noticed in New York. There's no supermarkets that I could find anyway. Um, I found a few that were in the Upper West Side. I don't know where you were. We were two streets from were two streets from Times Square. Okay, there probably wouldn't have been any there. It's too busy being filled up with touristy attractions. But yeah. when you're a little bit more in the outer suburbs, then it's life is a little bit more normal. We had a few chemists and or drugstores and and fresh fruit and all that sort of stuff. Not too far from our hotel. I really want to buy that game <laughs> just for that reason. Fuck Spider-Man. Really, I just want to go to New you, York again. <laughs> you really, really should. It's uh, I've got so much work that I should be doing at home and I just find myself going, yeah, but I just want to pretend to be Peter Parker again for a little bit longer. Yeah. I, I have too many podcasts to edit before the holiday, so I'll yeah. wait till I get back and it's something to look forward to. Also, before I leave, or the day that I do leave, the uh, the reboot of the Spyro trilogy comes out as well, so I'll make sure I get that as well. Ah, oh, yeah, cool. Um, So... Th- the, uh, before we'll get back into the episode, but the last yeah. thing on Spider-Man is there's a moment in it that genuinely brought me to tears, which has never happened before in a video game. The guys and, at work were telling me about this. They didn't say what happened, but they said, if you get it, you'll cry at one point. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm not sure if it, it would be the same moment. And it's not... A, this isn't even a spoiler or anything like that, but um, it does a really good job of making you feel the Peter Parker element as much as you feel the Spider-Man element. And part of that is there's a... You know, he's down on money and there's a moment where he gets evicted from his apartment. Aunt May in this version is working for a homeless shelter. This is all very early on in the game and, and again, near as I can tell, it has no real bearing on the story. It's just a nice character bit where she says, come sleep on the couch in my office. When you wake up in the morning, she's got hot coffee sitting there waiting for you and an envelope with $400 and she sort of chastises you for not having asked for help. And it was just such a beautiful 
moment of unspoken help and understanding someone in need and being there for them that I just, it just broke me like then and there. I was just wait. I openly wept playing a video game. Let's get back to Hurricane anyway. So we've gone through our favorite moments. Let's get into our new names. Mine is Gone Diddly On With The Wind. Oh, that's a pretty great uh, alternate name, actually. Thank um, you. I, I should have thought of one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to give yourself some time whilst uh, you read out a, some of the patrons' names? What about... Um, oh, jeez, I don't know. The Quick and the Ned. It doesn't make sense, but it gets his name in there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, what have we got? Alistair Danik, Hydelio, Hurricane Arena. Uh, I actually prefer Alistair submitted two this week. His second one's probably a bit better with Insane in the Hurricane. That's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For those of you uh-huh. who are unaware, Mitch is reading from the exclusive Four Figure Discount Patreon group. If you are a $2 plus patron, you get access to the Facebook group where you can contribute to the show, i.e. this segment here. Continue, Mitch. Shelly Dunlop is a name. I don't think I've seen a contribution from Shelly. One flew over the cuckoo's Ned. Mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, Tornado from Jamie Gamel. <laughs> That's pretty good. Jimmy I love Ferugia a good word just, pun, wordplay. Yes. Uh, Jimmy Ferruja just says, this is tough. I've tried nothing and I'm all out of ideas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Simone Hay with Stupid Sexy Hurricane. Mm-hmm. Be- except it works now, but that episode hadn't aired yet. But I'll, I'll, I'll let it pass. I'll let it go yeah, through. Yeah, that's true. We'll accept it now. Through to the keeper. Brendan Quinn was trying to say that he was trying to come up with a Shakespeare one. So I really should probably work on coming up with one of my own. I might do that with the trivia. Uh, during trivia, I'll try to think of a Shakespeare-based pun for this episode. Okay. Well, speaking of trivia, I'll kick things off. Where did the bowling alley end up? Oh, it was perched atop a cliff. Um, a tunnel. I don't, a tunnel. Sorry, was it above a tunnel? Yeah. No, a ca- a Carter-Dixon tunnel. The Carter-Dixon tunnel. Is there any significance about that tunnel that you're aware I'll, of? I'll look it up and tell you when you ask me your question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which side was supposed to be turned topwise on the Rubik's Cube? Left side? Uh, no, it was the middle. The middle side. Middle side top topwise, that's right. <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, so, the uh, looking up the Carter-Dixon Tunnel, it's just a Simpsons name. Nothing at all that I can see anyway. Okay, okay fair enough. My next question is, which school thought of the Spankological Protocol? Carolina? University of Minnesota. Ah, Minnesota. Damn it. Uh, My question number two, what was the title of Lisa's book that helped her predict the hurricane? Uh, It wasn't even that funny. It was just just like sort of stating the obvious. I can't remember. It's got weather in the title. It's got weather in it. I remember. (laughs) It was the how, why and huh of uh, Book of Weather. Book of Weather, okay. And finally, this one's a very easy one, so one of us has to get a correct answer. Besides his parents, what does Flanders hate? The post office. The post office, correct. There we go, we yes. got one. <laughs> uh, my final question is, what colour paint was on Barney's brush? Barney, was it when he opened up the door to the bedroom? Or was he standing outside? It's when he's standing outside. I'm going to say blue. Oh, close, it was purple. Damn it. Was the inside um, purple? Uh, I think the section where they painted the dirt was. A great Willy Wonka reference, by the way, with that hallway. Uh, was it Willy Wonka that they were directly yeah. referencing or was it um, Alice in Wonderland? I was, I was wondering what it was. I thought it was Willy Wonka. I thought I'd better check. I looked it up and it was meant, apparently it's a Willy Wonka reference where the hallway gets smaller and smaller. Yeah, okay. Um, 
I mean, I know the moment in Willy Wonka, but yeah, that uh, I could go either way. What came first, Willy Wonka or Alice in Wonderland? Alice in Wonderland by a very long way. The book, though. No, the Charlie well, Chocolate both. Factory. Uh, um, the book's pretty old. I tell you what. I t- so you look up the book. All right. It's annoying. You you Google Alice in Wonderland now, and you just get 2010 film. It's not what I want. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the actually the book. Came out in '64. It's not that not that old, actually. Alice in Wonderland would be '50s, I'd say. Uh, the movie would have been '50s, yeah. Um, the and the novel came out in 1865, so I think it's got it covered on both fronts. 1951 was the Disney film. It was the Disney film? Yep. Yeah. Um, let's go. All right. Uh, William Shakespeare. Love all. Trust a few. Do wrong to Ned. <laughs> that, was, that was not a good one. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm just stirring you up. <laughs> it was good considering you just had to think of it on the spot. I'll give it that. Dando doth protest too much, methinks. <laughs> the original air date was December 29th, 1996. I'm surprised they would air a new episode right before New Year's Eve. I guess it's not on New Year's Eve. Mm. Yeah, you think pe- people will be out and about doing other shit? You think they'd take a break over Christmas period? Um, people still watch TV. That That never rests. Do they watch TV anymore or do they just binge watch Netflix now? Because I very rarely watch... The only show that I watch on a week-to-week basis now, I think, is Suits. And have you seen Jim Carrey's new show on Stan called Kidding? I haven't... No, I don't have Stan, but... Get it. uh, I've seen the billboards. Yeah, get get Stan. It's worth it just for this show. I really enjoy it. Stan's actually pretty good now. When when Stan first came out, I was just like, eh. But like Stan, it's got Seinfeld on it as well. It's, It's got... Plenty of new shows on it that are worth getting. It's worth the ten bucks a month. <laughs> it's got Seinfeld. It's got plenty of new shows. It's got Seinfeld, so it's got the classics, and it's got plenty of new shows. Is what I'm trying to say. Okay, a bit of I'm both. I don't watch free to air TV since having Foxtel, but I I still watch it. Um, so Patrick Melrose was a mini series that I was watching on the weekly. The Juice has just started up again on Showcase. Uh, the night of, I, I, there's still something to be said about watching a really good serialized TV show week to week. I think you kind of earn it a bit more. I, I also like the Netflix shows where they drip feed the episodes rather than just throw yep. them all at you. That's what they're doing with Kidding. And I completely agree because it gives you a week to stew over things and discuss with your mates what you yeah. think is going to happen next. If you just binge watch it, like, like when they drop a whole season, you've got then got the next three months of people saying, oh, don't spoil it. I haven't watched it yet. Don't spoil it. I haven't watched it yet. It's like, yeah, fuck. Not only that, that you, there's something, as you mentioned, like you, you stew over it there's something about the anticipation that just mm. is a crucial part of television uh what's the word absorption i think yeah it's and it's kind of like when a movie has a couple of good trailers out and like you just cannot wait to watch it you like it's like waiting for mm. christmas to come around like i can imagine yeah. you when after you watch like the dark knight trailer your anticipation would have been through the roof you know Definitely. There's a movie coming out. Um, I forget what it's called off the top of my head now, but it's got Jeff Bridges and I think there's a Hemsworth in it. It's it's like Bad Times at bad times at the Hotel Grand or something along those lines. Okay, what's that uh, meant to be about? I, I don't know, but I know that I got a minute into the trailer. It might have been a two and a half minute trailer and I watched a minute of it. Oh, wait, do you mean Bad Times at the El Royale? That's the one, yeah. Yes. I'm uh, talking about that at work, yeah. A, I watched a minute of that trailer and I went, well, that's all I need to see because I don't want a single thing to be spoiled. The trailer sets a great mood and that's all I need to know. Well, I'm a big horror fan. So I've done that with the new Halloween uh, sequel that's coming out. So do you know what they're doing here with the new Halloween film? Have you seen any of the Halloween films? I've seen the vast majority of them. I haven't seen the Rob Zombie one. 
Okay, yeah, neither have I. So the, the first Halloween, Mark Myers comes and goes to Jamie Lee Curtis. There's no reference to them mm-hmm. being related in the first film. The second film, they reveal, the big storyline plot reveal is that she's his she's sister. She's his sister. Blah, blah, yep. blah. In the new film, they're completely pretending like none of those sequels ever happened and she's not his sister and it's just like 30 years later. That's bizarre. Are they pretending that Donald Pleasance never happened? No. <laughs> just the, he's pure evil. <laughs> Donald Pleasant will, will not be in this film, but I'm sure he'll be referenced. <laughs> yeah, okay. I hope he is. Some sort of monument somewhere. Least, as long as there's someone in the background going, we're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> as a matter of fact, that was. <laughs> Alrighty, so December 29th, 1996 was when this first came out. What do you reckon you were doing on that day, Mitch? December 29th, 1996. I was probably... Uh, what I was eight years old. I was more than likely wearing a new Australian cricket team T-shirt and probably playing Super International cricket on the Nintendo. I would have been wearing it. Do you remember those um, No Fear clothing? I was a big No Fear yeah. kid. I would have been wearing yeah. some of those clothing. And I was saying you, you would definitely been building anticipation up for the uh, the Boxing Day test. I reckon. Well, the 29th, it would have already been on. And oh uh, yeah, of course, Boxing Day twenty. Yeah, shit. Yeah, I would have cast my eyes ahead to the New Year's Eve test match. You would have been uh, either celebrating or drowning your sorrows with some... What would you? What do you drown your sorrows with when you're a kid? Uh, tang. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Fanta? Yeah, f- yeah. Fanta's kind of like the drink. It's like, I'll drink it. But, you know, where's the coke? Yeah, but as a kid, I was big on Fanta. Were you really? Oh, I guess so. What about, yeah. what about when... Ah, uh, Seven Up or Mountain Dew. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I do like Mountain Dew. Uh, oh, I tell you what, actually, December 29th, ninth, nineteen ninety eight. There is every 96, chance. Ninety six. Ninety six. Oh, ninety six. Ah, but okay. ninety eight. What we what we've been doing? Ninety eight. Well, in nineteen ninety eight, I was watching Darren Goff take a hat trick against Australia in the Boxing Day Test and rip the game away from us in the uh, second innings. Hmm. So. There's, there's a little bit. Let me try to go back to what was happening in the 96 summer. <laughs> Warney would have been playing at that time, yeah? Yeah, yeah, of course. Warney was king. I hadn't quite got my Shane Warne 99 game yet. That game changed my life. <laughs> it's in the air and six. For those of you who are overseas, it was called Brian Lowry Cricket, but we called it Shane Warne Cricket. Yeah. Anyway. Back to the episode. That's, that's surely <laughs> enough of this. Yes. Uh, the couch gag was the couch is replaced with a coin slot and the words vendor couch. So it's like a vending machine. Homie puts a coin in, hits on it, and it comes down and hits him. So the episode kicks off with Homer asleep on a hammock. Do you know I've never in my life slept on a hammock? I've gone close. Um, I've never laid no, in one. I, I'm not big. I, I'm not an easy sleeper. Like I need okay. to be pretty well tucked up in bed in the fetal position to fall asleep. I can't sleep on a couch. I can't sleep on a plane. Uh, hammocks. Yeah. I, I, I really, I'm a side sleeper. I can barely even fall asleep on my back. So that's not yeah. conducive to ha- hammock life. I'm a person who has to have uh, my feet out from under the blanket. I cannot sleep with the blankets are tucked in. I just can't do it. Yeah. Okay. So no tuck. Yeah. I have to be that's on my one side. one tuck. Yes. One no tuck. <laughs> I have to be on my side and the blankets have to be untucked. But Homer's laying there having a good sleep. And the wind's just stirring, starting to build up a little bit, and it's blowing his straw away. Great sound. Because he's not quite awake. He doesn't know what's going on. Lisa then realizes that there's a hurricane coming. So, you know, she starts panicking, as you would. I mean, what's have you ever been in a storm that isn't a hurricane or a tornado or anything like that, but it felt 
like it could have led to something like that? Trying to think. I mean, it's it's very few and far between in Australia that anything gets that full on. Like, I mean, it's, it'd be unheard of to have a tornado here. So yeah. it's never been front of mind. No. I've been in a mild cyclone in Queensland. That was scary. Really? Yeah, well, in yeah, the, well okay. up in the, I was like seventh or eighth floor, up a, not not too high, but up high enough, and you could just see the water stirring out in the distance, and we're like, "Ooh, that doesn't look good," and all of a sudden, fucking water just come flying, and surface paradise was just flooded. I've been in massive rainfalls in Queensland. Yeah, I've been in pretty severe lightning storms, or watched some pretty severe lightning, but no, n- never anything where I felt like the I was going to lose a roof or anything like that. I remember in 95 when Barwon Valley Golf Course in Geelong was underwater. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that flood. That was awful. <laughs> it was intense. Queen's Park. I remember driving down to Queen's Park and that bridge that goes to the golf course there was literally like a foot above the water. <laughs> Dad, wake up! I think a hurricane is coming! Oh, Lisa, there's no record of a hurricane ever hitting Springfield. Yes, but the record only go back to 1978 when the Hall of Records was mysteriously blown away. What is it, boy? Fire? Earthquake? Hippie? <laughs> Hurricane! Somehow the animals are always the first to know. Then we get the Brockman News Report discussing the hurricane. This is great. So he makes a sexist joke and Marge is like, it's true, but he shouldn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what is it? What is the joke? Either oh, women at a clearance sale. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, if you think that it's sexist or you're all misogynist or what, well, I can't remember his exact word, but to name a hurricane after a woman, then yeah, that that um, I mean, those jokes have died off. But there was a period in the '90s where you weren't a stand-up comedian if you hadn't made a joke about women and uh, hurricanes. <laughs> like really? it was just yeah, definitely. Like, I remember Dave Attell doing one about, like, you know, why do you name the hurricanes after women? It's like, well, what else would you call something that takes you, all your stuff in your house and leaves you standing naked in your own driveway? <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't laugh, but it's true. <laughs> uh, so, then they all have to go to the Quickie Mart to get some supplies. They just the, it, the, the way they encapsulate the hysteria here is just... Perfect. They do a fantastic job. So Apu's on the roof with the flaming barrels down the bottom. Stand behind the flaming barrels and Kirk's like, let's just rush him. And Apu's like, no, no, no. You all get your chance. Do not listen to that man. <laughs> we'll let you get... in 70 people at a time. Yes. <laughs> you all get the chance to be trampled on or something. They get in there and I love the music. The It's like the, uh, what What do we, we gave this music a name. It's when, uh, it's what they play when shit's going down. When there's some sort of riot or something. Oh, um, just like the riot Jesus. music, I guess you'd call it. But you know the music I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, I know the music. I just don't yeah. remember ever giving it a name. Oh, we, did, we, we did at some point. Everything that we say on this on this <laughs> podcast has been well documented. I mentioned one of my favorite moments was the way they cut out "cat" and wrote "hurricane chow," just capitalizing yeah. on the on a situation as Apu yeah. always does. There's a really good episode of Penn and Teller bullshit where they talk about doomsday, uh, doomsday preppers and that sort of thing, and that exact phenomenon of people just ripping off citizens and cashing in on hysteria. I mean, if you had the ability to, wouldn't you? Uh, no, I couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> oh, it it would could. feel too much like stealing. <laughs> if you knew you were going to get away with it. No, even then, I, like even me, I, I draw a line somewhere and I would, I would just feel like that was too slimy. 
I've yet to see said line. <laughs> Neither had the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> this isn't giving someone back their Mikey card and pretending that it's yours, Dando. This is real life. This, this is... This is that was real life too. <laughs> okay, that was real life, but I was still giving money back to the guy. The only victim there was the truth. Yes, that's true. Whereas, whereas I, I feel like I, I just would hate to profit from a, a flat out, like being a charlatan. Like, yeah. I couldn't handle like it, it for me to be like pretending to be a faith healer. It's it's exactly the same thing. I'm taking money from people, providing them false hope. I would have loved to do that, but then giving the money back at the end. So feel myself saying, I just want to see if I could if I could do it, if I could successfully pull off a grift. And then once I pulled yeah. it off, I'd go, "Here's your money back." I just wanted to see if I could actually make you fall for it. Yeah, fair enough. That actually be a cool TV show, a reality show, see, not, going around I'm grifting sh- people. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's a legal defence though. <laughs> If you give it back straight away, if you say if you film yourself beforehand saying, "All right, it's all part of the show. We're just gonna see if we can grift some people," you grift yeah. them, and then you give the money back straight away. You show that they're on camera, and they go, "Oh my god, I can't believe you got me." I'm sure that would be fine. Uh, yeah, look, it wouldn't. It wouldn't because if someone wanted to press charges, they'd be like, "Well, how do I know you were going to give me the money back? Maybe you're only doing that because that's part of your elaborate scheme." But they got the money back. If you get arrested mid grift before you've given the money back, then suddenly it's a lot of he said, she said. I don't know that you want to be in court handing money over to someone to pay your way out of prison time. Uh, That's where we need Saul Goodman to get us out of it. Yeah, that's true. I've only just, I've just started watching Better Call Saul again. I'm loving it this Mm. time around. Loving it. Ah, it's so good. Didn't like it the first time. I think I just, I was a bit tired. wasn't really in the mood for it. And I think it's just because Breaking Bad had just finished. So I, I think I just sort of expected Breaking Bad. But then you got to remember, Breaking Bad wasn't Breaking Bad in the first season. You got to give it time. Yeah, of course not. Yeah, no. But yeah, so that that's my new show. That's my new show of the week. Is Better Call Saul. Uh, so then we get the gag here. Whilst it's funny, the proportions bothered me. So when uh, Mrs. Glick picked up Lisa by the head and thought she was a pineapple. So she's mm. picked up, she's picked her up by the head, by the hair, and then she's holding her above the trolley, but yet she's the size of a toddler. Um, yeah. Like Mrs. Glick's hold, a- Mrs. Mrs. Glick's holding her just above the trolley, and they're face to face. So she's essentially got the body of a fucking four year old. Well, maybe Mrs. Glick is seven foot. Possibly, and maybe she's buff as shit. But I can't see yeah. her picking up Lisa by the head. You don't <laughs> know the backstory of Mrs. Glick. Spending some time in the NBA. I wonder the, or WNBA. All right, well, that's the episode. That's the um the spec script we've got to write. Mrs. Glick backstory. <laughs> Mrs. Glick backstory. Um, Glick's tricks. The Harlem Globetrotters come to Springfield. There's got to be some reason why she thinks that that candy bowl's worth ninety dollars. Oh yeah, the candy bowl was a gift to her from Alan Iverson when she was entered into the WNBA Hall of Fame. Why not? Let's go with it. Ninety dollars, Ned. Ninety dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so the, 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 oh, the, the old folks are getting escorted out, and Grandpa's making huff and a puff, and then just gives up. He just he just basically wanted to complain, as a lot of old people do. Homer, this is classic Homer, by the way. I will give him this: nailing the back door to the window. <laughs> I, honestly, I laughed so hard at that I couldn't be bothered writing anything down It was just very funny Yeah, so it's just come fo- followed by Flanders offering their house Which looks incredibly safe It's got the like, oh. the tent over it and everything And yeah, Homer's saying I, don't, I, I would make it my business to be a bother be a also, third wheel Be a third wheel I, yeah. really <laughs> loved, I really loved that delivery from Dan Yes, yeah, yeah oh, You know, speaking of deliveries 
Hank, I oh, know Hank, sorry, uh, Harry, fantastic mm. in this. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. He deserved a nomination, I would have thought. This is a really great performance yep. across several different characters. Definitely. Uh, my favorite Harry line, <laughs> Brockman, try looking in the back. <laughs> <laughs> How good is that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, he's just all swept up in the hysteria of it all. It's just fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the, the delivery of the. Uh, when he's praying to God and he just keeps saying, darn diddly diddly, darn diddly diddly diddly, he just can't stop doing it. Yeah, I just think it's great. So the family are then all in the cell- in the cellar and we get the hurricane, which is the takeoff of the, the show's opening intro. I thought that's a nice touch. The last time we had that was the Thompsons. Um, then we get just different, it's like a montage of things that are going down whilst the hurricane is taking place. The man getting electrocuted. So they're, they're electrocuting a guy despite the fact there's there's a hurricane. And then the roof blows off. He thinks he's going to survive. Hits the power cords. They all celebrate. You know what would be good is to intercut that with James Cromwell uh, from the Green Mile coming in with his, what in the blue fuck was that? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know, I've seen the Green Mile, I think, in its entirety, but not from start to finish. Oh, okay. Because it's just it's one of those Have movies you... that gets replayed time and time again. I've and every time it's on, I'm like, oh, I watched the Green Mile. But every time I start watching it, it's at a different point. Yeah, right. You have seen that scene though, in particular, right? Yes, 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 yes. And I've yeah. seen that scene where he doesn't sponge, does doesn't wet the sponge. Yeah. Holy yeah. Oh, it's shit! It, it makes it really hard to watch the movie a second time, knowing that that's coming because you yes. you really care about Edward Delacroix. But it's just an execution, a successful one. How is that a success? Edward Delacroix is dead. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's the it's the look on his face when even he's going ooh fuck I shouldn't have done this yeah it's even yeah. too much for him but thankfully not too much for the people of Springfield <laughs> no not at all so Marge then suggests why don't we do the Rubik's Cube ooh a Rubik's Cube let's all work it together okay start with diagonal colours use your main finger on the yellow side and your other finger on the orange side and turn it my main finger orange no, no, Spin the middle side topwise. Topwise. Now I remember why I put this down here in the first place. Fantastic. Like I don't think they could have written that funnier. <laughs> uh, shout out to my homeboy Nacho, by the way, who I believe I don't want to misquote, but I think his personal best Rubik's Cube time is under 30 seconds. I think he's at like 27 or 28 or something like that. What? And what does he do for a living? He works in IT, but I mean that enables him a lot of time to spend watching YouTube tutorials and practicing while he's on hold. He he should go go around grifting people with a Rubik's cube. How do you grift someone with a well, Rubik's cube? You, well, you, you pretend like you don't know what what you're doing, and say like you know yeah you know, you're, you're a pool shark. <laughs> you pretend like you're no good, and then you pay, play for money, and then you're good. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So you walk around to someone and proposition them with, I bet you I can solve this Rubik's Cube in 15 minutes. No, you invite yourself to parties. You invite yourself to parties. Invite yourself to parties. Bring your own, bring BYO Rubik's Cube. Yeah. And then just... Cube offs. Yes. (laughs) And somehow get people to pay you to solve Rubik's Cubes. I'm sure Nacho is a smart enough man to figure it out how to make that happen. Well, we'll see. Um, I'm sure within a week of this episode going up, he'll have emailed me with a scam and my role in it. <laughs> and your role. <laughs> so, they, the wind blows out the uh, the windows of the harmonica store and the harpsichord stores, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Funny. Then it dies down 
And Homer's, it's eerily calm. And Lisa says, it's the eye of the storm, but Homer goes outside anyway. This yep. here felt a little bit too cartoony, but I guess it is a cartoon, so what of, what of it? <laughs> I would have thought that had I not seen Twister. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, you know, Twister, there's a cow, another cow. I think that's the same one. It wasn't a world away from what the Simpsons are doing here. <laughs> that is true, I guess. Then Marge prays. Actually, this made me laugh out loud. He fell for it, Marge. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was so good. Uh, it seems that... Now, I remember when I... And every time I watch this, maybe it's just the way, like the angle in which they've drawn the house, but it looks like that the, the, the roof of the house has dropped. But I guess that's just from the angle. It's actually the front of the the roof of the house hanging over the window. Mm, yeah, presumably. I didn't I didn't notice an issue, but I was only watching it on my phone. So yeah. I didn't have it blown up fully to be able to... to spot any differences I suppose I just remember always thinking the gag was that because it cuts to the the wide shot just as Lisa or Marge or Lisa one of them saying and nothing's gone wrong with our house and it just to me it just looked like the house like the roof had dropped but I guess it's just the yeah, angle okay. cuts to yep. Flanders house and nothing gone diddly on great delivery from Harry there yeah it's that um, kind of just the letting his words float off into the distance Yes. Gone diddly on. Like, he he can't believe it himself. Yeah. What I will say about this episode is it was a very, very wise and interesting choice to have Flanders be the one whose house gets destroyed in the hurricane because it's a real test of his faith. I think they do a really good job of showing him going through the steps in the process of losing faith, essentially, in the end, really. Yeah, definitely. They, um, it, it is the perfect, the perfect person to do something to in a story is the last person you expect to have it done to. Yeah. And they never, crucially, it's never at his expense. As much as he's the victim here, it's never done where like, you don't feel like anyone's getting any joy out of it. Cause that would have just felt unnecessarily mean if you take the nicest person in town and then you just go, how funny is it that he's getting destroyed? It's more a case of, it's awful that it's getting destroyed, but you still kind of look for the areas where you can get some comedy out of that. Well, the only real one where you can get comedy of it being something bad that's happened to the family, the Flanders family, besides the house blowing down, of course, is Todd's head going through the roof, uh, through the tree. Sorry, saying, I've got a headache. Yeah. The other humor comes with how, I guess, the family are trying to make the best of the situation, like when they're at the church and they've got the, the T-shirts and things like that. <laughs> Good to see butthole surfers get a uh, reference. Yes, but they had to cut out the word hole. For legal reasons, which is why the shirt sort of oh. folded, it just says yeah, butt. Okay, gotcha. Well, it it yep. says that they couldn't have the word, the full word butthole. Or, anyway, so the family, like we said, are just in tatters. They're just in the, all the rubble of the house. Rods through the tree. The only thing that survived was the family tombstones. So all we got left. They then go to the rescue center, and we get the shirt. Look, look, Dad. Raj, stupid. And now, Mummy's stupid. <laughs> And Flanders is still trying to stay strong, but you can see just for the way Harry's acting, it's just it's it's starting to really break him. Yeah, and we've never but seen. Look, but I remember when the Leftorium broke, he didn't really respond like this. It was more a case of he was devastated, but here he feels broken. Yeah, and, and as he would like, it's just everywhere that you think you could go to turn, it's just becoming worse and worse. Mm. And more brings up the Leftorium. Once we get that going, we'll be fine again. Nope. Cut to the news. And like you mentioned before, the riot. They're only attacking the Leftorium. Yeah. <laughs> but by people who aren't even left-handed. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, just grabbing things with both hands, suggesting it's not only Southpaws. Yes. I'm surprised your favorite moment wasn't the reverence quote. Reverend Lovejoy, 
with all that's uh, happened to us today, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like Job. Well, aren't you being a tad melodramatic, uh, Ned? Uh, also, I believe Job was right-handed. But, Reverend, I need to know, is God punishing me? Ooh, short answer, yes, with an if. Long answer, no, with a but. Yeah, it's close. I, I guess, I mean, it's a, it's a good line, but it doesn't quite stand out as the absolute best for me in the episode. Um, but so much of life can be boiled down to that answer. There are actually <laughs> a lot of questions in general that can be answered that way. You know, such as, did you do your homework? Mm, short answer, yes, with an if, if. Long answer, no, with a but. Basically saying, I'm not giving you an answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little from column A, a little from column B. Uh, the, then this is where we get the scene which I think is the has the most emotional impact in the whole episode when Flanders is just pretty much going to have a conversation with God and just questioning why me? Well, well, I've, mm. I've done everything right I've done everything you've asked why would you why would you do this to me? And I'm sure a lot of people go through this for example there's a lot of you know Christian, Christians in America I'm sure when the hurricane hit Hawaii recently or whatever any anywhere in the world if they're a re- religious person they'd be questioning their faith Why why is this happening to me? Yeah, there would definitely be moments that I think that's, I mean, that's probably why it's called faith, like to stick by it when it's uh, at its easiest moment to be questioned is probably the biggest challenge of being a believer. So we come back and did you notice, so the Flanders have lost everything, right? In in the, the hurricane, everything. Hmm. The Flanders, his clothing's all been in tatters whilst he was at the rescue center and whatnot. Come back from the scene where he's talking to God, all of a sudden his clothes are repaired. I guess you could say that someone went out and bought him new clothes that the exact same clothes that he always wears. Yeah, well, the the Lord works in mysterious ways, <laughs> Uh The writers work in mysterious ways. <laughs> so then Marge surprises them. She goes, you've got to come see this, you've got to come see this. And, and still, Flanders is like, oh, what, what does he say? The rubble band down too. Like if, if, We've never seen Flanders like this. He's, he's very bitter now. He's just, I don't know, he's, mm. he's just in a really, really bad frame of mind. So, but he goes he's there. Broken. Yeah, he is broken. Yeah, f- f- understandably, as you would be. Um, I couldn't imagine losing all my possessions in like a house fire or something. Like it'd just be terrible losing everything, all your memories. But so they go there and they discover that the townspeople have somewhat fixed the house, but they haven't really, have they? <laughs> At least they tried. Yeah, they gave it their best shot. <laughs> um, and frankly, I think there's a fair bit of ingenuity that's going into that. You know, thinking to use a load-bearing poster is quite clever. Painting the dirt? Yeah. Pretty. Pretty clever. And the the room, this is the room of electricity, but there's too much electricity, so you might want to wear a hat. (laughs) There's also uh, a fairly, um, I mean, it's fairly cost-effective to only have used 25 nails is a good effort. That's exactly right. I just think, I just like the fact that, like I said, the, the townspeople tried, and this is more than what the people of Springfield would normally do. It just shows how loved the Flanders family are in the community. Yeah, definitely. That even someone like Homer pitches in. And I mean, Homer's going to get swept up in the emotion of it anyway. So he's. Um, Didn't Homer organize it all? Um, Pretty sure he says, I, 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 I made a few calls and we got this going. Yeah, I feel like Marge would have driven it. Hmm. Or, or maybe she wouldn't have. Maybe it just would have been one of those moments where Homer gets caught up in the moment and just goes, no, nah, this is awful. We've got to do something for him because he is capable of that. He does get swept up. Dig up his grave. Pull out his tongue. 
Yeah, Flanders just says, oh, you may be the happiest man in Springfield. And we see the happiest man in Springfield. (laughs) He's talking about himself, but thanks for looking. That guy needs a backstory. Yeah, what made him so happy? Yeah. Drugs, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Then we learn that the house was not what it seemed, like we said. And it just all, as they walk out of the house, it falls down. And uh, the, the little touch of... Flanders cleaning his glasses, trying to, you know, take a deep breath, Ned, cleans his glasses, the glasses crack. <laughs> like nothing is going right for the poor guy. <laughs> and then we get the eye twitch that I mentioned at the start of the review, and he yep. just absolutely loses it. Now, calm down, Italy, diddly, 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 diddly. They did their best, shoddily, Italy, Italy, diddly. Gotta be nice, hostility, diddly, diddly, diddly. Oh, hell, diddly, ding, dong, crap. Can't you morons do anything right? <gasps> We meant well, and everyone here tried their best. Well, my family and I can't live in good intentions, Marge. Oh, your family is out of control, but we can't blame you because you have good intentions. Hey, back off, man. Oh, okay, dude. I wouldn't want you to have a cow, man. Here's a catchphrase you better learn for your adult years. Hey, buddy, got a quarter? I am shocked and appalled. Mr. Flanders, with all due respect, Bart didn't do anything. (gasps) Do I hear the sound of butting in? It's got to be little Lisa Simpson. Springfield's answer to a question no one asked. (laughs) What do we have here? The long, flabby arm of the law? The last case you got to the bottom of was a case of Malamars. Malamars. Oh, that's going in the act. Oh, yeah. The clown. The only one of you buffoons who doesn't make me laugh. And as for you, I don't know you, but I'm sure you're a jerk. Hey, I've only been here a few minutes. What's going on? You ugly, hate-filled man. Hey, hey, I may be ugly and hate-filled, but I, um... What was the third thing you said? Homer, you are the worst human being I have ever met. Hey, I got up pretty easy. It's incredible acting. What, what was your favorite, or who, what was your favorite payout from Flanders? Ooh, um, hey, buddy, got a quarter is pretty good. It's pretty but amazing, I, but that's very. I, it's, it's the rest. I guess were mean, but that was just cruel. <laughs> Even though it's true, <laughs> it's true, but he shouldn't say it. <laughs> You've written off a ten-year-old. <laughs> yeah, I think he's written himself off by this point, hasn't he? You've just yeah, but you just you've taken a ten-year-old who's got a bit of an attitude problem and said you're never going to amount to anything. Um, you talk about a kid though that's, whose dream is to wash himself with a rag on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, the delivery on Homer, you are the worst human being I have ever met. That is an insult that grows with me over time. When I was younger, I was also like Homer. I was like, ah, that's not very mean. And then, <laughs> but then as an adult, you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Like, just the simplicity of saying that. It, it's like, I don't need to get inventive with you. You're just terrible. You, you know what this is? When I was watching this, I'm thinking this was Frank Grimes before we got Frank Grimes. Mm. He's finally seeing Springfield the way a normal person would see Springfield. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it, I mean, it it works. Like it's it, it's a Frank Grimes I think I said was like this, but it's an opportunity for the writers to call themselves out on the negative uh, the negative aspects of the characters that they've written. Yep. I, I love the, is that the sound of butting in? It's got to be Lisa Simpson. Springfield's answer to a question no one asked. 
Oh, absolutely <laughs> perfect. Lenny copying it as well is also good. Yeah. Like, I don't know you, but I'm sure you're a jerk. <laughs> I've been here a couple of minutes. What's going on? And Mo, you ugly, hate-filled man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we don't want to go on to all of them. But the townspeople can't believe it. Maud's like, Ned, Ned, calm down. What's going on? And then he drives off. What's the song that he puts on? Oh, uh, I didn't recognize what it was. It I'm sure we in the cultural references on the Facebook page. <laughs> it sounded vaguely biblical. Yeah, it's not on the Facebook, uh, on the Wikipedia page. Sorry, doesn't matter. Someone will write, in, write into us and tell us what it is. But it's a nice, relaxing song, and he drives straight to the gate and checks himself into what was the place called? The ooh, um, the Calmwood Mental Hospital. Correct. Come back from commercial, and Flanders chooses to be dragged in kicking and screaming. <laughs> I feel like that gag was written so they have a clip for the commercial. You reckon? No, Flanders, I, has been, I, Flanders has been committed. What for? And then it cuts to him going, no. I don't think it'd be purely for that. I think they, they would have pitched this on the commercial as if Flanders has been committed, not wanting to be committed though. I don't know. I'd have to try and track down the commercial for it. But how how often did they do that sort of thing? Like, to try to set it up as a dramatic moment for a comedy. I don't think largely that people are writing a joke nine months prior to an episode being finished thinking, yep, that's for the commercial. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that if you're, we've heard these guys talk about being in the writer's room for, you know, 14 hours. I, there's no way you've got that much foresight. It's purely what can be funny here. The nurse then realises it's Ned Flanders. I love that he's changing the pages of the paper with his feet. He's just chilling in his straitjacket. He's quite dexterous. Yes, very much so. When, when she calls Dr. Foster, so it's middle of the night. Oh, I should have put this in as my favourite moment, to be perfectly honest. When he says, God have mercy on us all, right? It's If you listen to it, it sounds like he's saying, God have mercy on a song. Oh, really? If you go back and listen to it, it sounds like, and God have mercy on a song. It doesn't sound like us all. Even though that's what the quote is. It just, it's, it, it doesn't bother me. But I just, every time I listen to it, I'm, I swear in my head, I'm hearing, may God have mercy on a song. Am I just mad? Like, you go, go reckon, back go back and listen yeah, to no, it. Yeah, no, you're mad because I've <laughs> never heard it that way before. Okay. I reckon you must have misheard that once. And then in your brain, it's just, it, it, it's like that memory has overridden what you're actually hearing. Okay. Well, l- listeners, go back and listen to it and tell me if you hear that as well. Or if any, if any of you have confused that. Or am I just an absolute maniac like Mitch has just said? <laughs> mm, <not laughs> so, he, he then shows it, Ned the footage. Is, it, go, it's go. great delivery, though. I, I don't want to gloss over just how good that is. In the tent. May God have mercy on us all. Is it the same voice as the, oh, crap. I certainly shouldn't have said uh, it was illegal. Oh, it's very similar. Hmm. Probably mm. the same person. Anyway, so what does he do? He goes to visit Ned and he shows him the footage. Of him being an absolute nightmare. Yeah, and like Ned has completely blocked it from his memory, which is one other telling aspect. If you wanted to talk about, so has Ned just been pretending? Like, no, Ned has properly changed. Yeah, but he when he rants, though, he refers to feelings that he's obviously been repressing inside. Yeah, but he doesn't know he's been repressing them. It's a, a kind of silent repression, much like... Guy Pierce in Memento and remember Sammy Jenkins. So then why, then at the end when he says, if you bother me, you're going to hear about it. If you really tip me off, I'm going to run you down in my car. But then mm. the next episode, he's just regular old Flanders as if this episode never happened. Because he, he gets back to repressing it. He's just been through a very emotional... No, but the whole purpose of this episode of this was to show that he's not going to be repressing things anymore. That was the purpose no, of the... 
It was. No, that wasn't. It wasn't the purpose. That was the resolution to his little thing about how if you keep repressing things, you're going to be crazy. But then he just continues repressing things and he continues being crazy. That's all it is. So what was the purpose of this then? What I'm saying is the purpose of this episode was to give Flanders some depth. Does it actually give him any depth? I don't think it's to give him depth. I think the purpose of it is just to put him in a situation you haven't seen him in before. So to put it, give, give him a backstory that is irrelevant? Yeah, pretty much. It's a backstory. It's shit. Look, it's irrelevant. <laughs> no, it's not shit. It's it's irrelevant, but it is it, it serves its purpose for this episode, but it, they were never trying to serve any grander purpose. Like, they're not trying to change Ned in the future or the past. They're just trying to show Ned in a different light to say, all right, well, we've got this character that's always been uptight and nice. What happens if we push him over the rails? What would have to happen to push someone like that over the rails? I just find it... For me, I just you, I look at Flanders now as, as as a sad character in that he's not actually happy. He's, he's he's tricked himself into believing he's happy when he's not actually happy. He's a very angry, hateful, sad man who hides behind this mask. But everyone does that to an extent. Like every every person is in denial about some aspect of their life. I think yes, but Flanders doesn't actually come. Like to me, I feel like he's now going through life not being who he wants to be. No, I think I I disagree. I think he's being exactly who he wants to be. It's just that he's he he has changed his perception of what he wants to be by blocking out the negative aspects of who he is. But they made him acknowledge his negative aspects again, and but, that's what made him made him cured. Are you a psychiatrist? <laughs> no, but that's what the, that's what he says. You, well, I don't cured. think you're in any position to be questioning the mental sanity. Of he says one he Ned says Flanders. he says you're cured because you can acknowledge that you hate your parents. Hmm. He goes, that felt good. Then, As if they say, oh yeah, that does feel good. That, I do. It is good to let people know that you don't like them and it is good to not repress things all the time. Yeah, but that doesn't also mean that you then suddenly turn out and you start yelling at everyone. It's just that you're more mentally aware of things and you, maybe you just processes it internally. Let's just continue. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. You can, you, you've got like a 12-hour a flight to Hawaii coming up. You can listen back to this episode and consider all the ways that you're wrong. No, 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 no. I, no, I no, don't no. have time You're, you're not right. You're, you're not wrong. You have an opinion. Same with me. But the thing is, like, really, this episode, the story to me, like, it's just, I don't know. I, I feel like if you're going to go through all that trouble, at least have it mean something. Like, it just felt meaningless in the end. All Simpsons episodes are meaningless at the end of the day. To an extent. 90... Lisa, Lisa, the vegeta- Lisa the Vegetarian's not. That's not all episodes. Okay. Lisa the Vegetarian is the only thing that changes <laughs> an element. It's, it's one of the few times that an element of a character changes. But you could Patty still argue gay. that a lot of what happens in Lisa the Vegetarian is also circular. Apart from the fact that she never eats meat again. She starts her relationship in one place with Homer. She breaks that relationship in the middle and then it ends and they're in exactly the same spot as they ever were. It's just that now she doesn't eat pork. That is the only thing that changes in that episode. In any of the most fantastic, emotional, happy beat, like great uplifting endings, Homer could... Like you can have an ending with Homer and Marge riding off, singing raindrops keep falling on my head and it's a beautiful moment. But then the very next episode... Marge can hate Homer and kick him out of the house. That's just the way the Simpsons work. Like, they, they only tell insular stories. I'm not saying this episode had to have a happy ending. I'm just saying it specifically ended with Flanders saying, things are going to be different from now on. And then they weren't. Like, it, there was no character change. Like, I feel like they could have had 
it was a, it was a chance to have his character change slightly somewhat and it would have added a new layer a new bit of depth and a new uh, avenue of comedy for the character but they chose yeah, but not again to. that's that is not what the simpsons do Lisa, Lisa stopping being a vegetarian isn't adding any character depth. It, it, Lisa, like, she was already locked in to be the voice of protest within Springfield. Being, be, the vegetarian thing was just an, uh, another avenue of things that we'd already seen. The, the At the end of the day, the show isn't Breaking Bad. It's not about changing characters from one episode to another. The other thing, logistically, they couldn't have really changed Flanders because of the way the episodes are written. You don't know that the what order they're going to air in. So if they did change Flanders, and then these writers go, right, well, this is the way we're going to write Flanders for now, but two other writers are working on a script that goes in between two different episodes, and it's going to be all over the place. So, like, I, I don't... I, I, I just don't have the same problem that you have with the fact that you get to the end of the episode, and... It's it's like the classic Homer line. Well, everything's wrapped up neatly, and in much you know, and in better time than usual. Every Simpsons episode has to wrap up neatly by the end of it, and this is just their way of wrapping it up. And if like yeah, no, I, I wouldn't for a second expect that Ned is going to be any different in the next episode that I watch. Well, hey, it's not wrapped up because it's left open. If it was wrapped up, he would go back to being the nice guy again who is bottling things up. And by the end of the episode, you would see that he's just going to go back to repressing things again. Instead, they had you, they left the viewer thinking he's going to be a different man. Yeah, okay. I I didn't think that. Personally, I, I would... I, it ends I with just... him saying, I'm going to run you down in my car if you annoy me. That's, that's the complete opposite of what Flanders would normally say. He's just come out of a mental institution. But he's cured, <laughs> though. He's the the exact words for the doctor was, you're cured. <laughs> yeah, I it, it, look, I I feel like we are spending way too much time treading <laughs> over the exact same turf, and we're just going to keep repeating ourselves. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Let's get into it. But, Let's keep going. Yeah. So he showed Ned the footage. What's this going on about the whole Dick Tracy thing? I, I, that's always been lost on me. Now you're prune uh, Tracy. Uh, yeah, I've got no idea. Like it's just always been. Uh, it's obviously must mean something, but it's always just been completely destroyed over my head. I don't get it at I don't, all. No, if it necessarily. Do, I mean, obviously Dick Tracy's a character. I don't know what prune face yeah. is. I, but yeah, I no, I I don't know if any if any like if that is a reference to anything. Let us know, listeners. I always just took it as the writers putting in something that's um, you know, just something that a, a angry kid would say that doesn't need to make sense. Okay, I my favorite part of the whole clip there is when he's just choking the kid at the end. He's like, Ned, no, no, and the kid's just like getting strangled. <laughs> I did think that he spent a long time watching him beat up kids before yes, he stepped in. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. To bring it back to video games, that's like that thing where there's an NPC and there's obviously a trigger moment where you have to have done a particular thing before you will activate the next cutscene. Yeah. So you could like shoot every single person in town, but then you knock over a bucket or something. And then the bucket is obviously the trigger thing. And that's where we'll come in and be like, hey, that bucket's sacred. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Is that kind of stuff in the new Spider-Man game or are they worth way of getting around that kind of stuff uh no i haven't noticed any jarring moments like that okay. everything's everything's pretty fluid is it is it visually is it nice to to play like to look at very yeah okay, yeah cool. no, it's stunning i'm considering going to the next room once we finish and just doing a cheeky download getting it <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so we then get the the parents well i'm afraid young ned is unusually aggressive but i can't seem to find a cause for it hey hey get down from that bookshelf please most of those books haven't been discredited yet. Would you please tell your son to stop? We can't do it, man. That's discipline. That's like telling Gene Krupa not to go boom, boom, ba, 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 boom, boom, ba, 
Boom, 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 boom. Lack of discipline. I'm beginning to see the problem. We don't believe in rules like we gave them up when we started living like freaky beatniks. Now, you don't believe in rules, yet you want to control Ned's anger. Yeah, you've got to help us, Doc. We've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. Hmm. Lousy beatniks indeed, are they? Yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen it before with Ned's parents and it is funny that he has beatnik parents. It just as a concept, that's that's pretty funny as it is. Um, I mean, it makes sense. You see parents like that, and their kid is—they're not necessarily going to be naughty automatically. But if they did have some slightly naughty problems, then they're going to really fall apart quickly. Yes, definitely. And then we get the infamous spanking. I won't. Play, I won't play that clip though because there's no audio except spanking. <laughs> mm. Well, that can be audio enough. Okay, let's try it. That's just about eight months now. And there we go. What do you think, listeners? Did you appreciate listening to 30 seconds of spanking? (laughs) So, uh, like we said, he gets the twitches just before uh, he says, I'm I'm fine. I'm feeling much better. Can I I just... I want to try something here and just Mm -hmm. see what's, what's better to listen to. Is it 30 seconds of hearing Ned Flanders be spanked or is it 30 seconds of hearing us, or me, saying spanking? Spanking. 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 Is that close? That felt like thirty. Well, I didn't count. I'm assuming you. I thought you must have had a little stopwatch there. I wonder how many people just skipped forward thirty seconds on their podcast app. I heard a click on your end. I thought you hit a timer. I don't know. I didn't click anything. Oh well. Oh man, but I I wonder how long you could have done that for before the listeners gone fuck this guy. <laughs> Three spankings. We should loop it as like a forty five minute Patreon exclusive. We could try it, <laughs> and then the the patrons have to send in like proof that they actually sat there and listened to the whole thing. They get a prize. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> anyway, so. He's done the spanking, and now Flanders is feeling much better. He's snapped him into being the Flanders that we all know and love. It, what, what this does is it actually explains why he says diddly all the time, mm. because it's the blabber is his way of suppressing all the anger. So I did like that aspect. That uh, it, it, yeah. It's not just like a speech impediment or anything. It's just that's him suppressing the anger. He actually yeah. can't control it. It's like someone saying fudge instead of fuck. Yeah, or... It, even this, it's it's almost like a twitch though. It's almost he's because, like you said, he didn't realize he was suppressing his anger supposedly. So that's just a nervous twitch that he's subconsciously stopping himself from being angry. Yeah, exactly right. So then they say, how can we make him angry? Because we just can't anger him. And what's who's the mm. person that can make you angry the most? Cut to Homer. Turn to Homer Simpson. This is a great scene. Flanders, 
No, I don't know anyone named Ned Flanders. <laughs> <laughs> so we get the the family arriving at the uh, thing, popping on the Sane stickers, which I enjoyed. And mm. then obviously going for a little wander around the grounds. Uh, try to spot which ones are cannibal. You'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> <laughs> the moment, like, you can just see how irritating a person Homer is with the chewing gum and all that sort of thing. And Just, be, just, before, just before that, though, the three people who were committed, did you see who they were? Uh, uh, Jay Sherman, the babysitter bandit, and... Mm, no Schwarzwater Schwarzwater Oh Schwarzwater Yes I did see that Yes but continue So Homer with the bubblegum <laughs> Yeah just chewing the bubblegum Like can you be that annoying <laughs> Get in the booth Yeah <laughs> uh, they're, they're in the booth And yep. it's a real struggle To get Flanders angry He just He's just Even Homer can't he's do just- it too polite, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, I I had relations. So I had intercourse, or I had sex. I had, sex I had relations. With your spouse I think, or, yeah, I had relations with your spouse or significant other. I just love the look on Homer's face. With it. now, that's psychiatry. I love Flanders. Though. Oh, 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 very funny, wise guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's just not buying it. <laughs> you call him a moron, and he just smiles at you. Ned's head through the window. Howdy, neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then, what what's, what triggers him? Because he can't make this guy, he can't, he just can't make this guy angry. He he loves everything, he, and that's when he unleashes, isn't it? Yeah, like Homer basically challenging him on, well, what about this? What about that? Um, and then he finally gets him to, to say that he doesn't like the post office. You know, get you in, get you out. Uh, you might even say, I hate the post office. That and my parents. Um, Love but what we get, <laughs> what we get that's so much. For me, it's the highlight of this scene. It's the the junior doctor. Like, I can't find what Homer's saying. Did you write this? Uh, do you like it? <laughs> and then, it's exactly what they would say. <laughs> yeah, and then he just said he hates his parents. Do you know what that means? Uh, what do you think it means? It means he's cured. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you would ever be the type of person that would say that kind of stuff if you were like a junior vice president or something? Like, would you ever be too uh, scared to give an opinion? No, I couldn't be a yes man. I'm yeah. too arrogant. Even if he knew you were wrong? <laughs> Especially if I knew I was wrong. Yes. <laughs> so then he gets released and everyone's there to celebrate. Everyone's happy for Flanders. And, but he's still not quite the Flanders that they remember because he's like, you know, you're going to hear about it and if you really tip me off, I'm going to run you down in my car. And everyone's like, okay, that's not what we thought was going to come out of your mouth. <laughs> and then the, the whole the whole Homer, Homer saying, you're so crazy. It just... I don't know, it's the, the very end, the last 10 seconds, that, seconds, just felt weak to me. Just fend- the last line just felt like a little bit of a throwback to older style sitcoms to me, that it would end on like some sort of relatively inconsequential line to just be like a full stop to the episode. Um, I, I, I agree that it's not a very strong out, but that it just reminded me of a different time in television. It's one of those things, I guess, the only way you'll really know what they're going for is if you ask the person that wrote it. Yeah, probably. And they're probably going to say, we just had nothing better. Yes. <laughs> they're probably going to say, I don't even remember writing that. Stop asking me stupid questions. Yeah. You're, like, you You're a grown a man TV watching a child's cartoon 20... series. Exactly. <laughs> That's when you, you get the, um, you hung up on a clown from the 60s, man. <laughs> But it's it's a it's an episode that has plenty of funny moments. It's got some emotional scenes as well. To me, like we've had the debate for probably forty five minutes of this podcast, where I felt the ending was a little bit weak. You thought otherwise. All in all, though, for me, it's not an episode that I'm going to go back and watch in any hurry. I think 
I honestly think that I laughed more last week. Even though the episode felt form- formulaic and a bit dull last week, I still yeah. think that I, I laughed more. Okay, fair enough. No, I, I Honestly, I really enjoy Hurricane Nettie and it is an episode that I have gone back and watched a, a lot of times over the years. So I've just always... I just like the tone. I, I didn't... I, I've never picked up on the same... Um, Ja- like you, the jarring, the jarring. aspect yeah. that you were talking about, I thought that it, it handled it pretty well. But overall, I just like that it was a nice, twisted version of a wholesome movie. Like you take out this. This is for me. It is The Simpsons doing "It's a Wonderful Life." That is that. That's how I see this episode. Do you reckon this would have worked even better if they had a base this around Christmas time? Uh, no, I don't think it necessarily needed it. I think it was fine as it is. Does this season have a Christmas? Oh, yeah. No, season seven had Marge Be Not Proud. Does this one have a Christmas episode? Mm, off the top of my head, I Don't can't think of one. I think it does. No, I think next season does with the Bart Burns and the Christmas tree. But anyway, mm. but yeah, if you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. For me, not one of my favorites, but, but it's by no means a terrible episode. What do we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from the episode, Mitch? Uh, I learned that insurance uh, is a form of gambling. I learned that the best way to solve Rubik's Cube is by getting the middle side and turning it top-wise. Top-wise. <laughs> Start with the corners. Uh, do you want to know the actual best way to solve a Rubik's Cube? I do want to know. Tell me. And so do the listeners. Start by making a plus on one of the sides. Um, so basically, you know, both middle lines running straight down the middle of the cube because the the middle, the and this is what's so funny about move the middle side top-wise, the very middle square is the only one that can't actually move. So the white side is the one where the white is in all the middle. So you rotate it around so you get a little white plus on that side and then from there you start to manoeuvre it around to fill in the corners. Um, and once you start looking at it that way, it's not too tricky. It's then the final step that um, gets... I don't remember what the uh, algorithms are for it, but as I said, my man Nacho uh, could just about do it blindfolded. We should do a live uh, Rubik's Cube off for the patrons. Oh, yeah. That'll be a good 16 and a half weeks. <laughs> Javail! Javail is here! Mailbag time. What have you got for me this week, Mitch? Uh, Paul Copeland is emailing in, Dando, with uh, subject, unfortunate names and a thanks. Uh, the thanks I'm going to start with first. That's for the podcast. And listening to us at work makes everything a little more tolerable. Paul's writing in for Chicago, by the way, just in case you uh, were curious. Now, he's been listening from episode one, but only started in January. So he's sort of been making his way through trying to catch up to them all. Uh, he's at a Treehouse of Horror episode in season seven when we were um, talking about people just with unfortunate names. I don't remember what prompted that, but I think it was probably that I had no better ideas that week and call in with an unfortunate name is like one of the best radio staples that will fill half an hour if you need it. I think we were talking about teachers with unfortunate names. Oh, because of Miss... Yeah, okay. So I was going to say because of Mr. Glasscock, but no, that's a different episode. <laughs> Oh, I wish you'd reconsider. <laughs> so, Paul, when he was a kid, his parents bought a little cabin uh, in northern Michigan. A neighbor came over to congratulate them on moving into the area. Her town was, uh, sorry, her name was Sandra. She was a doctor. Specifically, she was a gynecologist. Gynecology, Dando, a career that she had chosen before marrying a man with the last name. What do you think it might be? If you can think of the creator of Batman. The creator of Batman? Yeah, not Batman. Oh. The other one. Oh, shit. No, I don't know the other one. No. Who is it? Uh, Bill Finger. 
Oh uh, my! Oh no! Now it's not that she. It's not that she married him, but yeah, married a guy, surname Finger, first name Sandra, her full name Sandy Finger. Oh well, those think these things happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so, uh, like, oh. Uh, I'm su- I'm surprised she didn't pull the whole. I'll keep my name as well, and then keep the yeah. finger to the second hyphenator. So at least breaks it up a bit, you know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, frankly, though, if you, I mean, you, if you're a gynecologist and your first name's Sandy, you're already on a hiding to nothing. Uh, let's, let, I, I think we should just move on swiftly. <laughs> I will do exactly that. Then we'll get on <laughs> to uh, Josh Barnstable. He writes in with a question for the podcast. Uh, G'day, Mitch and Dando. I heard you've both mentioned various other shows throughout your Simpsons reviews, but I don't think mm. you've ever heard. Uh, our thoughts on King of the Hill by Mike Judge and Greg Daniels. Uh, mm-hmm. He loved it as a kid, provided a nice juxtaposition when watching it alongside the goofiness of The Simpsons, thanks to its dry humour. Uh, thanks, guys, and keep up the great work. Now, for me, there's a very clear and easy reason that I don't talk up uh, talk about King of the Hill, and that's because I don't think I've ever actually watched any King of the Hill. I don't think I would have sat down to a single episode of it. I used to watch it quite a bit because back when The Simpsons were in their prime, when I first started watching The Simpsons, when we first got Foxtel, I think the only animated shows that Fox 8 had were King of the Hill and The Simpsons. Futurama hadn't quite come around yet. It may have just started, but it wasn't played mm-hmm. in you know every night like The Simpsons and King of the Hill were. I remember yeah. looking at when I was a kid, King of the Hill, I think I just liked it because it was animated. So it was, it was fine to have on the background, but I wasn't as absorbed and into it as it was for The Simpsons. I think the... And like you said, that the humour was a bit dry and a bit plain. It just felt a bit boring. Yeah. And, I mean, it wouldn't be... And I don't mean this as as a insult by any stretch, but you mm. were probably a long way from being the most advanced kid when it came to a sense of humour. Like, I don't, I don't think you were watching many... Uh, I, I feel like King of the Hill was pitched more at adults, even more so than The Simpsons was. Mind you, I say that, again, having never seen an episode. <laughs> but... Purely from the delivery, it just felt like it was aimed probably at a slightly older audience. Well, we say The Simpsons was, felt very real, like it was kept in reality, where King of the Hill was even more real, to the point where it was the sort of like the boring side of life. But it was, mm. that's what was funny about it, where like, for example, Seinfeld, it's not, it got wackier in the later years once they realised they had the freedom to do so and people would accept it. But early on, it's kind of plain and simple, but that's the charm of it. And I think that's, the earlier years of Seinfeld's kind of like what King of the Hill is. Yeah, fair enough. Like Seinfeld's definitely a show that was all about the minutiae of everyday life, mm. uh, and, uh, and you know, obviously the the famous kind of description of the show where nothing happens. Well, something's got to happen. No, nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> I really did enjoy King of the Hill as a kid, but honestly, I haven't gone back and watched it for a long time because I never see it uh, getting repeated on Foxtel anymore. You never see it. Yeah, uh, I don't spend a huge amount of time on Fox Eight these days, so. I, or uh, is it Fox Eight or is it a comedy comedy channel show? No, it's, it's it was well it used to be Fox Eight. It still would be a Fox Eight, but they used to have the like the animation domination because it used to be just Simpsons, and then they'd slide some King of the Hill and Futurama in, and then now you've got American Dad and Family Guy and Bob's Burgers and all these other shows, and it's just mm. everything gets lost in the shuffle. But I can't recall the last time I actually saw any form of advertisement or anything for King of the Hill. But I'm glad that you brought it up because it might be a show that I might go back and watch because I think it might be a show that I appreciate more now that I'm a, a bit older. Yeah, probably. Uh, and I mean, well, you know, it's a show that I might appreciate if I ever actually sit down and spend a minute watching it. Yes. Well, you you like um you like the critic and you liked uh, Dilbert. Uh, whilst yeah. it doesn't have the uh, the geeky side like Dilbert does, I think you could probably find some similarities to the the, the style of humour that those two shows have. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd imagine that that's probably the case, yeah. We'll move on. Kenny mm-hmm. Gad writes in, no subject, I like it. Uh, it's always a mystery. Oh, no, there is a subject, sorry, complaints. I just was looking in the wrong area. Complaints uh, about us? Uh, no, complaints about people that may... Sorry, complaints that people made about Christmas um, and asking what people uh, complain about. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So, he used to work in the complaint section for a bank in the UK and would get complaints about their TV adverts, one of which was from someone convinced that one of the ads was uh, discriminatory against gingers. Um, How? This is... Well, apparently in one of the scenes, a ginger boy of about eight years old kisses a little girl on the cheek and she recoils in horror. The complaint stated that they were going to complain to the advertising standards regarding this as it was racist against ginger people. Needless to say, the advert was pulled shortly after, so maybe you were right, and HR marketing did get scared of offending people based on this one letter. The guy wasn't even a customer. Uh, presumably, he was a ginger, so he wasn't even a person. <laughs> oh, man. It, uh, how many gingers do you have in your life right now? Well, your wife's a ginger. <laughs> My wife was walking past the door and overheard that last joke. She's <laughs> opened the door with a furious look on her face. Hey, Ash. So, uh, put Ash on the line. So, Ash, what's it like being a ginger? Do you feel like you're discriminated Dan- against? or? Sorry, Ash. Dando says hi. He wants to <laughs> no, know what what's it been like trying to, um, you know, swim upstream as a ginger, feeling like the whole world is working against you. That's the awful thing to say. We have souls, you know. She means on her shoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, so, life is tough then, yeah? Well, yeah, life's tough for a ginger. You might end up married to an asshole like me. <laughs> but they, 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 they do have soles on their shoes, though, so they can't complain too much. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Good night. But all in all, gingers are not people. Is that is that what we came to? Is that the conclusion we came to? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that was the conclusion. <laughs> we love all gingers. Continue. Beth Patience. Uh, let, let's wrap the mailbag up, Dando, with a fourth email. This comes in from Beth Patience. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, just listened to a Millhouse Divided. Many thanks for the mentions. Apologies to top up uh, to pop up twice in one podcast, and also apologies for Mitch saying. Oh, sorry, apologising to me for saying that she was a dando. So Beth was sort of leading the charge of "Are you a Mitch or are you a dando?" Uh, she she's trying to claim that I am her spirit animal. So, I mean, that's still calling me an animal, Beth. But it's halfway to a compliment, I suppose. Yeah, she's trying. Yeah, actually, it's probably closer to the truth. So you know, um, Beth, you're an excellent judge of character. Oh, okay, this is actually a good... This is a success story. This is cool. So, Beth had emailed us, as many people do, asking for some advice on starting up a podcast and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she had also emailed about a dissertation she was doing for university, and she was write, she's writing in to say that she'd passed the dissertation that she was doing based in some small part on the answers we were able to give. She's graduating in November as a music journalist, and her podcast was a huge success, and she got a great mark, so thank you very much for all of the help. So that's just one of the success stories of uh, the Four Finger Discount family. And one of, I think, can think of five or six people, I think, that have sort of gone off and done their own podcast off the back of uh, listening to us, which is always a really cool thing to hear. So, um, Beth hasn't put the name in there, but if anyone else has been inspired to do a podcast because of us, let us know. We'll give you a shout out as long as you're not completely racist and, you know, a, uh, or ginger. I at least <laughs> or ginger. <laughs> um, Beth, uh, for you specifically, Dando, also says, hope all is well. Oh, actually, no, it's for both of us. Hope all is well with Nicola, Elliot, and Ash. 
Oh, thank you. You know what we should do? We should start a Four Finger Discount podcast network. Anyone who wants a podcast, we just put them on to the Four Finger Discount brand. I don't think we should. <laughs> <laughs> because this is purely, not that I'm like all, no, I'm better than everyone, but you just never know what sort of quality is going to turn up on something like that. And the that's last why thing I want. That's why you proof listen. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the time for that. I barely have time to listen to the podcasts that I already listen to. You don't even listen to these ones. I do. I did the one that's like, oh, no. I can listen to it. <laughs> no, I mean the other podcasts that I enjoy. Oh, the ones you actually <laughs> want to go and listen to, not this piece of shit. <laughs> I don't have time for this. I already said the words for this one. I've I've heard it once. <laughs> I don't need to hear it again. I have to hear it again and again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> each time from a from a uh, I was going each time from a different treble. Yes, no, that's I was trying yeah, to get some do. sort of audio turn. But I just see what you were trying to work. do there. <laughs> uh, Oh, okay. This is okay. One final email. This is just mm-hmm. a short one from Luke Sinclair. Uh, inspired by the recent Simpsons inspired franchise titled titles, he's tackled Harry Potter. Uh, ha- okay, so they're all called Harry Plopper. Uh, Harry Plopper and the Philosopher's Stoner's Pot Palace. Mm-hmm. Harry Plopper and eh, it's a secret. Harry Plopper and Prisoner 24601. I mean, that's more <laughs> of a uh, Les Mis references. Yeah, much as Simpsons, Simpsons is more well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Har- Harry Plopper and the Coblet of Did You Just Call Me a Liar? Harry Plopper and the Order of the Stonecutters. Harry Plopper and the Half-Blood Martin Prince. Harry Plopper and the Deathly Hallowed Baseball Field or Deathly Hallowed Out Wheelchair. I was torn. I appreciate the effort he's put into that. Yes, I excellent. Liked three of them. <laughs> <laughs> I like three of them. I liked Prisoner Two Four Six All One, just yeah, not as a Simpsons one. <laughs> no, I liked the Prince uh, Martin Prince. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a pretty good one. Well, anyway, thanks for listening to our review of Hurricane Nettie. Hope you all enjoyed it. But next week, we're going to be reviewing The Mysterious Voyage of Homer. Now, Mitch, we've already recorded a review for this one, haven't we? So, what are we going to do for the patrons? Uh, We are, thanks largely to one very generous patron in Reese Hall, Mm. who donated uh, a $100 dues to us this month and has then given us a shopping list of episodes and TV shows for us to review. We're going to be cracking into the first one of those, which is Alone Again, Natra Diddly. Yes, we're going to be doing that. So next week, you're going to get Alone Again, Natra Diddly, and we'll throw up The Mysterious Voyage of Homer if you haven't actually gone back and found it earlier in your Patreon feed. You may have not realised it was in. Actually, you know what? It's only available for $8 patrons, so I'm sure there's plenty of $5 patrons out there who actually haven't heard it yet. Well, how exciting will that be for them? Yes, <laughs> so they get two podcasts next week. And if you want access to these podcasts and much more, including the Movie Guys podcast and our Futurama podcast and everything else, you just got to go to patreon.com slash discount for all that content. Plus, you get access into the monthly prize giveaways and the exclusive Facebook group. But Mitch, any final words for the listeners? Uh, what do you think my final word should be? It means the episode's finished. That's what I said. Shh.